All right, let's get after it. It's the Plank Show Hour 3. Oh, that's right. We got a great sponsor. I keep saying new, but now they've been around for a minute. So thumbs up. Welcome, Roof Tech of Oklahoma. Correct, Josh? Oh, that is correct. Welcome back, everyone. It's hour number three, Roof Tech of Oklahoma. They bring us our top stories of the day, which those top five stories of the day. Sorry. Moments away right here. I didn't realize the liner card wasn't right there in front of you. I apologize. There's so many liner cards now. Everyone's like piling it on top of other things. You can never find it. Hey, give Josh Tucker at Roof Tech a call. <laughs> 405-703-4245. Locally owned and operated for 30 years. They guarantee the highest quality workmanship in the roofing industry. Um, all right, let's, um, let's get after it. Jocelyn Allo coming up at 11.35 this morning. They had a... Film sesh this morning to get ready for a big weekend. So the new home run queen in college softball will join us coming up in exactly 30 minutes from now. But right now, let's hit the top five stories of the day. Beginning with big story number five. Number five. So it tells you something about where we are in sports news today. Where big story number five are two NCAA tournament games, including Texas Southern Getting it done last night. Walker's going to dribble it out. He's all smiles. He strides towards the timeline. He lets the ball loose, and that will do it. There is something special about the first four when it comes to Texas Southern. Back-to-back wins in this round in 2021 and 2022 as Johnny Jones' crew gets it done. 76-67 the final. Texas Southern tops A&M Corpus Christi, and they now have a date with top seed Kansas on Thursday in the Midwest region. 9 p.m. with the opening tip in that game. Nine. Did I hear a niner in there between Kansas and Texas Southern? Meanwhile, later in the evening, while my man at Westwood One fought his voice, Indiana fought for the win. Do not write the epilogue to Mike Woodson's first season at Indiana just yet. They knock off Wyoming 66-58. The Hoosiers are moving on a showdown with St. Mary's on Thursday as Indiana grinds out a very tough-earned victory over the Wyoming Cowboys. 6.20 tomorrow afternoon, Indiana and St. Mary's in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Of course, the first full day game, if you will, 11.15 a.m. tomorrow, Michigan and Colorado State. But, Josh, we have two more first four games this evening Bryant versus Wright State at 540, followed by Notre Dame and Rutgers. Did the uh, first four do much for you last night? I watched a little bit of Indiana-Wyoming. You know, with Oklahoma in the NIT, I was almost more interested in the NIT games than I was uh, the, the first four game last night. I'll be fired up, though, tonight. Let's see how the committee screwed this thing up by letting both Notre Dame and Rutgers in this evening. I, um, I got to be honest with you. I found myself watching the Sooners and then sticking with some NIT before I realized, oh, uh, let me hit over to True TV. I'm not one of those people that's like, I don't know what channel True TV is because I hit my guide and I can always scroll down to find it. 246 but, for all of you direct TV folks that's out right. there. But I just, I dug the NIT. I thought it was, uh, give me some good hoops last night. So two games tonight and then, oh boy, Thursday, tomorrow. You realize... Tomorrow, while we're on the air for Hour 3, Josh, we're going to have NCAA tournament games going on 
Are you aware of that? I know. It's gonna... Oh, you're gone tomorrow, aren't you? I know. It sucks. Maybe oh. I can call in. <laughs> Where are you gonna are, are you at a are you going to Vegas? No, I wish. That oh, that okay. would be really fun. Well, they don't call in. Take your day, man. Let's go. Enjoy I'm, it. Yeah, I'm off to uh off to Dallas for the next couple of days. So nice. just taking a couple of days and deserved. Hanging out. Relaxing. I'll be watching a lot of basketball, I'm sure. Uh, some people were getting we, – we were fighting about this over on the XM side because, like, three of the main hosts and, and two of the main producers are taking this week off. And people are like, well, why would you take off? It's the greatest week to talk sports. Well, honestly, it's fun, like, the first couple of days. But then by Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, everyone's watching games anyway, right? And there's, there's not even that Oprah. Remember they used to have the Oprah window where you would have that break between – the the morning session and the evening session now there's games going on there so it's like the perfect time to take a couple days off because everyone's watching games all right uh, gets us to big story number four number four boy what a win for the OU baseball team they knock off Air Force ten to four yesterday Skip Johnson's crew rolls um, a big four run seventh they added three in the eighth uh, Cade Horton clutch base hit. Two-run single helped to really broaden the lead. It was 7-4 to four at that point. Horton made it 9-4. to four. Afterwards, Skip Johnson talked about the win for the Sooners as I think the best way to put it is uh, they're on a roll right now. That's okay. Uh, I thought we played really well at times and not so well at times, but we came through and our offense started really having quality at bats from about the 16 on, which was really huge. And, and, and Atwood was really good out of the pen. So there you go, Skip Johnson. You heard him in the post-game show on our flagship AM 1400 on the Ref Radio Network. Sooners wrap up their series against Air Force today at 4 o'clock. I'm sorry, what am I saying? 2 o'clock before welcoming in New Orleans this weekend. So 2 o'clock today, Soonersports.com slash tickets. It's going to be gorgeous out. Josh, real quick, not enough to give it its own spot. But also in big story number four, there seems to be some buzz in baseball. Looks like the A's are cleaning house. They have um, – they've moved on yet again from some talented players. Looks like the Phillies have signed Kyle Schwarber this morning. Um, oh, wow. Big deal for Masahiro Tasaka, uh, Tanaka. Excuse me. Um, he has signed a deal with the uh, – what am I saying? Masahiro Sanaka signed a deal for $155 million for the Yankees in 2014. It was the highest salary for a Japanese position player coming to the major leagues at the time. The Chicago Cubs said, all right, hold up. They've agreed to a five-year, $85 million deal with Saye Suzuki, the star Japanese outfielder, met with the Cubs this week, got the deal done. There's rumors about Carlos Correa and the Dodgers. The potential of Freddie Freeman and the Red Sox got a lot of buzz since the lockout ended in Major League Baseball. Yeah, all sorts of movement. The Suzuki deal is pretty interesting with the Cubs. Obviously, he was a star in Japan. We'll see how that translates here in Major League Baseball. But he had 38 home runs, yeah. 88 ribbies in 2021 over in Japan. He's got a career 315 average, 182 homers and 562 RBIs. So... They, uh, the Cubs, obviously think that he could be a big piece of the puzzle for the next five years. So exciting! Big story number three. Number three. All right, it's a, it's official, and I don't really know. 
I guess I got kind of lucky in the timing of this, but ESPN has made the announcement official. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman have signed multi-year agreements to join ESPN as the new voices of Monday Night Football. Both will also contribute content to ESPN+. Buck and Aikman will, uh, I think it's 22 years together, 21 years together, which will match Pat Summerall and John Madden's time together. They've called six Super Bowls, surpassing all other broadcast pairings except for Pat Summerall and John Madden. Lisa Salters returns to the sidelines. Josh, your thoughts? Joe, Bake, uh, Joe Buck? Troy Aikman, Monday Night Football, let's go. Yeah, it's a big step up in terms of the broadcast for Monday Night Football. We'll see what types of games they get. You know, this is a – of course, the money, I'm sure, is great. Um, It's a big step up in terms of just what the broadcast looks like for ESPN. It's a nice investment there for them. It's a lot to walk away from, though, with what they had on Fox. I mean, you're talking about you've got – Basically, one of the two best games in the NFL most every week on Fox, what they had in all of the Super Bowl, Super Bowls, the six that you mentioned there that they got to call. When will ESPN get involved in broadcasting Super Bowls? You know, is, is that in the future for ESPN? Have they sort of given that up here to just be calling Monday Night Football? It's great, though. In terms of Monday night, it's a big step forward. Yeah, absolutely. And then also in the NFL today, a couple of moves this morning. Carl Nassib has been cut by the Raiders. Um, of course, he came out as, as as gay and the first active NFL player to do so. So I'm sure some people will try to twist and turn that into, into a narrative in some way, shape, or form. But it saves the Raiders $8 million against the cap for a guy that kind of struggled to, to find his spot in the Raiders' defense the last few years. And let's see, there was one other move this morning that kind of the Jaguars continue to spend. Well, there's going to be a lot of dudes in a couple of years from Jacksonville who um, a lot of thoughts are about, hey, oh, look at this big deal that the Jacksonville Jaguars made. They went and brought in this offensive lineman, this wide receiver. It's probably going to be guys in like one or two years from now, Josh, that end up back on the free agent market looking for deals, Right. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait, Christian Kirk is available. I remember whenever he got like $100 million as a free agent. He's available again. I see a lot of these dudes back on the market in a few years. But it's it's a wild commitment they've made to spending this offseason. Well, and obviously, they've got to upgrade that roster. You've got Trevor Lawrence, and you need to get pieces around him. Yep. You're trying to totally rebuild the thing, and that requires some investment. So four years, $72 million for Christian Kirk, wide receiver. Three years, $49 million. This is all for the Jaguars. For Brandon Scherf, an offensive lineman. Foyer Alakun, three years, Alakun, uh, three years, $45 million. Darius Williams, three years, $30 million. They spent 30 mil on Foley Fadakasi, the defensive tackle. Zay Jones, three years, $24 million, the receiver, and a one-year $9 million deal to Evan Ingram. Holy smokes! That is an entire offseason for some teams. That's been two days for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll see what's next. Which gets us to big story number two. Number two. Number two. Number two. Big story number two. Baker Mayfield pins what looks to be 
a farewell letter to Cleveland. Now, in, in all honesty, Josh, we haven't even talked about the letter itself, right? We've we've mentioned it, I don't know, in hour one, if, how much you got into it, but he made it clear this is not a message with hidden meaning. This is strictly to thank the city of Cleveland for embracing my family and me. I have no clue what happens next, which is the meaning behind the silence I have had during the duration of this process. So I, I think two things here. Number one, Baker Mayfield realized that social media was not a place for him to be when the Browns were in the middle of evaluating the position, right? And so he says they can't in, in a round, I'm reading into this. In a roundabout way, I feel like he's saying, came to me, made it clear that they were going to look around. So when he says, I have no clue what happens next, which is the meaning behind the silence, I think from about day one, whenever he started shutting down social media, he realized that there was going to be a lot of buzz about Cleveland's quarterback once. And in part two of that is, I don't think Baker has that valve where you can just turn it off and not reply whenever people are talking gas against him. So I thought the statement was good. We can debate whether or not it was short-sighted if he needed to do it, if he was being super sensitive with any of that. But, Josh, I, I kind of dug it. I dug that he put his neck out there. Well, and I, as I've said all morning, think that this is the end of the road. Cleveland might, if they strike out on Deshaun Watson, want to keep Baker Mayfield. But I think at this point he's going to demand that he wants out. Mm. I think there'll be a market for him, too. Which gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. All right, so in our world, there is an NCAA women's basketball tournament game. Well, the NCAA women's tournament starts tonight. But we've got Oklahoma. We've got Oklahoma coming up in the first round at home in the women's NCAA tournament. I actually, you'd be proud of me, Josh. I printed out my women's basketball bracket. But the problem is the font is so minuscule, I have to break out my reading glasses every single time to look at it. It's like, oh, my gosh. But coming up this weekend, Oklahoma on, what is that, the uh, 19th on Saturday night, we'll take on IUPUI, Uipui, 9 p.m. on ESPNU. Tickets are available at Soonersports.com slash tickets as Jeannie Baranchek's crew Fights to advance in hosting an NCAA regional in Norman for the first time in a minute. But, of course, our focus right now is on what happened last night. And Oklahoma gets a big win in the NIT as they pull away late from Missouri State. When we come back, we'll pay off number one with Porter Moser from the Sooner Radio Network, plus speculate on the start time for the Sooners in round number two. It is expected that it's going to be on Sunday, right? That's kind of been the rumor as to when it might take place. But Oklahoma gets the win. So now they are moving on in the NIT where, let's see, who will they play in round number Saint two? St. Bonaventure. Thank you. The St. Bonaventure gets the dub last night. So that's who they get in round number two. We'll talk about what we learned last night next right here on The Ref. Welcome back into the Plank Show. Jocelyn Allo coming up here in about 10 minutes from now with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Last night, though, Inside the LNC Sooners, get a nice win over Missouri State. Listen, you can 
you can say, oh, all right, maybe it took a little bit to get going. But when they got going, they were really good. I mean, I I saw if I'm a if I'm a, a fan who was worried about where the mindset was going to be, maybe you were worried a little bit up at the start. But 89-72, they, they dominated. And they pulled away. Big night from Mo Gibson as he finished with 28 points. But I got to be honest with you. So before we play Porter, uh, Porter Moser, I watched that game, and and maybe this is not a good way to watch mid-major teams. But as I'm watching that game last night, I go, hmm. Isaiah Mosley probably has two years of eligibility left, right? He has his COVID year. He's a junior. 6'5", 194. You know, goes out, puts 28 on the Sooners. Looks pretty smooth doing it. Had a 33-point game in their Missouri Valley Conference Tournament against Bradley. Am I wrong that when I watch these games, I start thinking about how they would look in a power five or in college basketball, power six conference uniform. It's like immediately I'm thinking, man, Mosley would look good in the crimson and cream. <laughs> That's exactly what I said earlier this <laughs> morning. It's like, wait a second. He's got how, how much uh, availability left? <laughs> so, I'm not trying to take players away from the Mo Valley. But oh, I am. He'd look good. He would look good. But, uh, Sooners had enough to get by him. Afterwards, Porter Moser with Toby Rowland. Coach, your team showed some character tonight. I first want to thank anybody who's driving out of here that was at the game. Thank you. Man, I, I thought, I, I, I know it wasn't full, but the people that were here were so loud. Yeah. I mean, from the moment we walked in, the middle sections were, they must have put everyone in the middle sections, and they had a great energy. Yeah. And I, we, I can't tell you how much I appreciated that. You know, what a, what a, what a great thing for our guys. And um, these last 48 hours are life lessons. For, for these guys, and uh, we were gut-punched Sunday night. We felt we, uh, we felt we we had an, a resume to get in, and it was out of our control. We didn't get in, and told them to grieve, and next day we said there's we can either pout and lay an egg or we can prove to people wrong that we're a good team. And these guys, the way they came out, because Missouri State's, I mean, they got the second seed in a top-ten conference in the country. You know, I think the Missouri Valley is, I mean, I'm biased because I played in it yeah. and I coached in it, but it, it's a really good league. I mean, how about Isaiah Mosley? Unbelievable I mean, 22 player. in the first half. I mean, I, he had 40 against our old team against Loyola in one of the games, and he can really score. There's a lot of scouts here to see him, I and mean, he can really score. And uh, we, we withstood that barrage in the first half and held him to six in the second. Um, and, uh, you know, our defense in the second half, I think, you know, was, was much better. We held him to 32% in the second half. But I thought we got... We really were talked about getting some stops and then running. Yeah. I mean, trying to body blow them, trying to get the pace going and run. They went big and put it in that zone. So I said, if you're going to go big, let's run. Let's let's advance pass. And we kept on advance passing, and I thought running and pushing it when they went that big I thought was good. I don't mean this in any disparaging way toward Missouri State. That's a really good basketball team, and those two guys are big-time players. But did it, it seem like it felt kind of good to everybody to be out of the Big 12. Like, stylistically, this was a different type game than you've played in a long time. It was, and what, what they did was they, they kind of junked it up. They went a zone. Yeah. The very first play we went, man, we went right in and posted them up, and then they went zone pretty much. They played zone the first 15 seconds and then matched up man. So it's tricky. We really haven't seen much of that all year long. So we had to – they ran zone, and then, then all of a sudden we, we were running some movement, moving into a ball screen. It kept on going downhill, but if you notice, then we kept on cutting yeah. because it's hard to match up cuts when you're cutting that hard. And we got a bunch of layups that way, a bunch of give and goes. 
But uh, it was different than what we've seen all year is like this this zone matchup, and then you kind of morph into man-to-man the last 12, 15 seconds of shot clock. Change anything more. on Mosley on how you defended him second half? We just were more intentional with, you know, I, I, I did say we did do this. Uh, we, on, we were kind of um, boxing on both uh, ball screens. And on that right side right there, he's so right-hand dominant, he's so good. They were kind of backing out, and then we got out of the trap, and then he reattacked. We started just pushing everything left. So right in front of their bench, we instead of icing them, which you keep them there, we, we, we kind of tra- pushed them left. And everybody else, we kept the same. I know it sounds confusing. Sorry. but no, 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 guys, I'm with guys, you. I'm with but, you. But we were just making him go left. No matter where he yeah. got the ball screen, he had to go left. How about Mo? Oh, I, man. I mean, we said that a lot Mo, this year. But. Mo, Jordan, and more, Mo, Mo Jordan and Tanner got us out of the gates. And those three were really, really good in the first half. And we, we had a um, some not-so-good performance in the first half by some other guys. And I kind of challenged the other guys at halftime. I said, you guys, you got to join the party. You know, Mo, Mo Tanner and Jordan are really playing well. And uh, I thought C.J. Nolan gave such a good lift. Yeah. He got some defensive stops. He got a bunch of 50-50 ball rebounds, make the shot, made a great cut. Um, and he, he did a, like, I thought he did. I thought Marvin made some good plays. I thought Ethan made some good plays. So we got better help off the bench. I didn't think we got much help in the first half. I thought the, the play kind of went down after those guys went out. Man, I thought those guys really picked it up in great, great minutes in the second half. So uh, here is um, a good magnification of that. That's the Porter Moser post game with Toby Rowland. The Sooner bench in the first half gave them two points. The Sooner bench in the second half gave them 22 points. C.J. Nolan had six in the second half. Ethan Shagwa had seven in the second half. Uh, Johnson had six in the second half. Mason added three. So their bench is really good. Also, he mentioned the, the Isaiah Mosley adjustment. Look at the splits on Isaiah Mosley from last night, Josh. He was 9 of 12 from the field and scored 22 points in the first half. In the second half, just six points, two of eight. 0 for 3 from beyond the three-point line. Sooners' offense was really good, um, but it was their defense that that made the difference, holding Missouri State to 31 second-half points and Mosley to just six. It's great. He's a heck of a basketball player. I came away so impressed with him last night and believe that he's an NBA-type talent. The way that he shoots, the size that Mosley has, he's a fantastic player. Great job by Oklahoma to – see him go off the way that he did early, and then obviously second-half adjustment that they made to hold him to just six. I was seeing if he was being projected in any mock drafts, and if he's not, I'm like, all right, he's not being projected. Time for him to come to Oklahoma, finish out his career. Let's go. <laughs> all right, Oh, so the Sooners will move on to play St. Bonaventure. We, we don't for certain know the date. It's been speculated on Sunday, right? We haven't seen anything confirmed yet? Yeah, no, I don't think we have anything official. Sounds like Sunday probably, but we just don't know that yet. Fingers crossed. Sunday be good. All right, hey, when we come back right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network, let's dive all into some softball talk. I was front and center for history on Friday night. We'll talk to the person who made that history. Jocelyn Allo joins us next right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Jossie is in film. We're hoping to hook up with her here in moments. But they had a film sesh this morning. Remember, they got five teams they've got to prepare for. So um, if, if we don't get her here, we'll continue to push an effort throughout the uh, rest of the show to get Jossie on. Sooner softball schedule looks like this for this weekend. On Friday, 
Friday afternoon, 4 o'clock, it's Sam Houston, followed immediately by a 6.30 showdown with Indiana. Then on Saturday at 1.30, OU takes on San Diego. And then at 6.30 on Saturday night, it's Houston. And then on Sunday, 11.30 against Iowa. I think for softball fans, I think I'm doing a between-game Q&A with the Sooner Club, so I'll check with Dylan and get information on that. But the news is good for this weekend. I mean, it's like jaw-dropping full of excitement because the Hall of Fame Classic sold out for Saturday. I mean, they that's unbelievable. Tickets are available for Friday and Sunday. Now, if you don't have Friday tickets, go effort, get after them. They'll honor Jossie before the Saturday 6.30 game. And there'll be a giveaway of over 1,000 commemorative home run queen posters on Friday. So, sorry, Patrick, if I wasn't supposed to say that yet. My bad. Don't worry. Nobody listens to me. But, yeah, there you go. So, s- some really cool stuff coming up on the softball side of things this weekend. And I got to be honest with you. I, I'm not paying attention like I probably should to, to what's going on around softball right now, right? I've been so, so focused on Oklahoma and so focused on this, this trip to Hawaii and Jossie breaking the record that I, I didn't even take the time to realize this has been a weekend of a lot of movement, right? Alabama drops a handful of spots after they lost their first two games this season to LSU. LSU makes a, a nice little leap after they they bounced back a bit. They moved up six spots in the rankings. You know, it, it's it's odd because I think I think softball is really top heavy this year. I really do. I think I think you've got five elite teams. I think Oklahoma, UCLA, Florida, Alabama, eh. Maybe Florida State. I'm not as high on Florida State as some. And, and I might be holding some things from last year against him, and I need to get over that. But I see five elite teams. Then I think there's a group there, if we're talking tiers, right? So tier one, there's tier one. In Oklahoma, hell, they might be on a tier all by themselves. But that's tier one to me. Tier two is a group of teams that might be pretty good, but we'll see. Oklahoma State's in that tier. I think Virginia Tech, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arkansas. We're going to go to Kentucky. Kentucky's in that tier. Of, and, and Tennessee, when they're healthy. They're all in that tier of teams that might be pretty good. And then there's those who can win, win on any day or lose on any day. The LSUs, the Missouris, the Michigans. Georgia is in that mix. Texas is in that mix. I mean, Texas is currently sitting at 16-9-1 on the season. But they have some good wins. Tight games there. They also have some really bad losses. So as it stands right now, I haven't done my due diligence, but in diving into things beyond just OU and the Big 12, I think we've kind of seen the contenders establish themselves. Now, are there some teams that have played really tough schedules early on so their record might not indicate how good they are. Yeah. Oklahoma State's in that mix. Tennessee's in that mix. LSU's in that mix. And are there a lot of teams 
that maybe have played a bit of a soft schedule and have a record that has them looking better than what they might be, sure, Kentucky could be in that mix. Maybe Duke. Maybe Virginia Tech. But when you start pulling back, and you think about Oklahoma being the only team in the top 25 that's currently undefeated, the only team left that's unblemished. And I get it. Sooners haven't played the most vaunted schedule as of yet, right? They still have some big Kentucky coming up, Oklahoma State, but they've played some good teams. They've, Arizona's ranked, and they run ruled them like it was no problem. Tennessee's ranked. Now, they got pushed. They were in control of that game, made some unsooner-like mistakes, but needed extra innings to beat them. You know, they've, they've done what they're supposed to do against good teams, and they've done what they're supposed to do against bad teams. I'm telling you what, man. That pitching continues to hold up, and I think it will. This might be one of the best teams that Oklahoma has had in a really long time. Now, question, Josh. Uh, yes. We have, we have not heard back from Jossie yet, right? No. Okay. Hmm. I wonder how to play this. Because there's a part of me that thinks if we break now, there's a good chance she'll be done, and then we'll have plenty of time near the end. Well, let's do that then. That's you want to do good. that? I mean, even if we have a long final segment, what's what's the worry? Not like, not like we're not professionals here. I don't know, dude. It's a long time. All right. Anyway, I, I could sit here and talk about softball in the top twenty-five and the remaining schedule for Oklahoma until I'm blue in the face. I really could, and and I think it's fascinating. I think it's it's going to be fascinating to see how everything is viewed. I mean, the Sooners are likely going to be twenty-five and zero heading to a Kentucky game on Tuesday night. If they're not 25-0, and 0, something dramatically wrong happened this weekend, right? I mean, I was okay, but Sooners should beat them. So, you win that game against Kentucky, and I think they will, look out. I don't know where that loss is on their schedule. Some, there's always a surprise. Wichita State will play them tough. You know, Texas is going to be driven. I mean, that's going to be their whole season when we go to Austin. But they're favored in every game left on their schedule. Every single one. If we have spreads and odds on softball, they're the favorites the rest of the way. That's pretty awesome. All right, we'll continue to attempt to get in touch with Jossie. Take a timeout. Come back. It's a plank show. All right. I, I guess Jossie's still in film. So I had mentioned she would come on. Promised. So I feel like Geraldo Rivera at the end of the Al Capone's Vault episode on WGM. Did you, did you ever watch that? You're way too young. But whenever no, yeah, I'm, that doesn't uh, doesn't ring a bell. You know what? Actually, it rings a little bit of a bell because you've talked about it. Yeah, I bring it up a lot. Whenever a guest no shows me, I'm like, "What did Geraldo say?" He said something goofy, like, "I told him if I didn't find anything in the vault, I'd I'd sing." And he started singing at the end of it as it went off the air. So I I assume the Jossie got busy, and then tomorrow maybe we'll have an opportunity to catch up with her. I know schedule's crazy. I mean every. Everyone wants a little bit of Jocelyn's time right now, right? She just broke a seven-year record, and prior to Lauren breaking it, it had been a fairly long-standing record in, in college softball. So for me, I'm in that position where I, I'll wait. I'll be patient. I want to talk to Jocelyn. You want to hear from her whenever she's available. We'll do it here on the Plank Show right here on The Ref. I will say, you're getting some questions about what's on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Josh Helmer. Oh, the folks want to know. 
That is the Air Comfort Solutions text line, by the way, 405-651-3439. Folks want to know, are any of the softball games this weekend going to be televised? Yes, all of them, but not on um, terrestrial, I guess you could say, radio, not on broadcast television. We're going to have them on Sooner Sports TV, and I'll find out all the details. Um, you can get to Soonersports.com slash well, I don't know if there's a slash for softball. Go to the softball page, and there is a way to watch, and it takes you right to Sooner Sports TV. So I'm getting the lowdown on it, and uh, I'll have more answers for you tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to be a one-camera shoot. I don't know if they're going to let me try to take my equipment out and, and see what I can do to make it a little bit more broadcast-friendly or not, so we'll see. But, yeah, they're going to be televised. And they're going to be good games. They're going to be – I mean, Saturday sold out, for goodness sakes. At the, the Hall of Fame Stadium. Somebody else said, Chris, thanks for whatever you did to get games on Sooner Sports TV this weekend. <laughs> I didn't do anything. I just said, if I said if we don't do – here's what I basically had said. If we're not doing them, I'll take the behind-the-mic stuff out there and just set it up and do it. And then I'll – you know, so many – I've asked for – I've apologized so many times when I didn't ask for permission, where I've just done it. But it's been a couple of years since that's happened, so maybe they've forgotten about it. I don't know. Maybe I tried again, but we'll make it happen. I, I had nothing to do with it. I just said I'll offer this if, if it's not available. All right, Josh, I have a little breaking news for you. So it doesn't look like we're going to get Jossie. There's eight minutes left in the show. If she hops on, we drop everything and go straight to the law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma tax resolution line. So with that said, Ian Rappaport moments ago, on the NFL Network. Yeah, so the Kansas City Chiefs have made one free agent deal so far. Justin Reed, they don't have a ton of cap space, but cap space could be coming at some point in the near future. Tyreek Hill and the Kansas City Chiefs are deep in talks on a contract extension that will pay him more than $20 million per year, likely to be a shorter-term extension, perhaps three years. It is not done yet, uh, but certainly this is something that could happen in the coming days. Uh, it is not, again, I would not describe it as close or closing in, but the two sides have done significant work on this deal, and when this happens, and it does seem like it is going to happen at some point, then the Chiefs will have cap room, and at that point, maybe they can look to the free agent pool and add, oh, I don't know, potentially a receiver. Jarvis Landry would be someone they may have interest in. This is certainly big time on the agenda right now for the Kansas City Chiefs, something that they are focusing on despite it not exactly being a pressing free agent issue. What's your thoughts? Wait, is that English? What are your thoughts about the possibility of a big-time extension for one Tyreek Hill? Well, obviously, I love it. I, I think that he he's shown that. He's not really going anywhere. The production's still outstanding for Kansas City. He's, of course, you know, right with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. He's the the biggest piece of this Kansas City Chiefs offense. So you want to lock that up long term. And then if it does provide some of that cap flexibility to bring in another weapon, Kansas City, they need another wide receiver beyond Tyreek Hill. You think about the, the two runs that Kansas City made to the Super Bowl, well, Though Sammy Watkins at times was maybe a little unhappy or disappointed to be that third wheel in that pass-catching uh, pass carousel for Kansas City, 
that's when they were most effective, right? That's when right. they went to the Super Bowl twice and won a Super Bowl was when they had somebody that was an established third wide receiver. Nicole Hardman's been productive for Kansas City, but if they can bring in a Jarvis Landry, that could potentially take this offense to a whole different level. Agreed. Agreed. It is kind of scary, too, for the rest of the teams in the AFC West, right? As if there hasn't been enough talk in the AFC West about teams bulking up, getting better. Look at what the Chargers are doing right now with Khalil Mack and C.J. Johnson coming in. Big time. But I can't, I can't help but wonder, Josh, if Kansas City looks at that and says, ah, you know what? Hold on just a moment. Hold on just a moment. We're going to go out and bring in a big-time receiver. What if it's Juju Smith-Schuster, right? How great of a fit would he be? in Kansas City. And we're going to draft, I don't know, big-time safety, or maybe maybe re-up Tyron Matthew. I know that a lot of people see the writing on the wall with the signing of the, the Texan safety as he's gone, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways they can continue to get better, and that's problematic for those teams that are trying to improve in the West. Yeah, Kansas City, if that comes to fruition, which it sounds like there's serious progress, and that's sort of Kansas City's plan of action to free up some cap space, is to get this deal done with Tyreek Hill. I know that they've, what, been working to to restructure Frank Clark a little bit too, so that, that could free up a little bit of space for Kansas City. If they bring in Jarvis Landry, if in fact that winds up happening, then to me, the first however many picks in the NFL draft, Whoa. Kansas City has to completely retool defensively. How about this? Landon Collins is getting released in Washington. Um, I, I, again, I know he was part of a big trade whenever the Giants made their move a couple years ago, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Six-year, $84 million deal. He, he'd been injured. I guess he's only played 20 games the last two years. But there you go. Another big-name safety on the market. So you got Landon Collins, who's been dinged up the last few years, and Tyron Matthew out of the market. Yeah, there's a couple of good ones right there. What do you, uh, what do you think Ooh, of Justin Reed? I don't know a ton about him. Stud. Absolute stud. I love the death. Now, again, you you don't get a lot of buzz around a Justin Reed because it, he, he plays for the Texans. And this is a dude that has been in Houston since kind of they started to reach irrelevance. And he's been dinged up, right? He got hurt last year, got a little scratched the year before. But, dude, he's, he's always in the middle of everything. His numbers aren't going to wow you. Like he, I, I think it, he doesn't even have double-digit picks in his first three years. But he can flat out stick you. And I dig him, man. I like him a lot. He's one of my uh, under-the-radar favorite players in the league. Stanford kid, third-round pick. Uh, I, I remember the combine, he, he ran a 4-4-40, so people were losing their minds about him. And then he dipped just a bit. But, yeah, I – I'm a big fan, dude. I think it's a hell of a get. I'm really surprised Houston didn't want to keep him around, to be honest with you. But you'd agree it's a step backwards for Kansas City from Tyron Matthew, who I think is one of the best in the game. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that. I guess they're not going to find a way to make that work, and he's going to go somewhere that's going to pay him a lot of money. But, yeah, I I like Justin Reed a lot. I, and, and I like Landon Collins a lot. 
But I like Tyron Matthew more than both of them. Yeah, well, <laughs> agreed. Significantly. And, and, you know, Tyron Matthew's a hell of a story, right? I mean, we I don't want to get bogged down on it here because I want to hit the, the poll result questions before we wrap up. But, I mean, here was a guy that was cut by Arizona, and not a lot of teams were showing interest in him. And Kansas City swooped him, gave him an opportunity, and he proved it. I think it's been big time. Question of the day on Twitter is a simple one. It'll continue through the night. We'll talk about it tomorrow on the program. When the Baker Mayfield statue is unveiled at the OU spring game on April 23rd, which roster is he on? I put the Browns, the Colts, and the Seahawks added another category and explained below. But currently, Josh, almost 200 votes in the last hour it's been up. 57% of you say the Colts. The second choice on the board, the Browns at 20.9%. Some of the other options do include the Raiders in the mention, but not, not many, not many. Uh, Taxinoki writes, the Browns. Watson won't choose to go to the quarterback-killing factory of Cleveland. But, I mean, here's the thing, though. Deshaun Watson could go back to Houston and say, hey, I like Cleveland or... Houston, or excuse me, I like Cleveland or Carolina. Whichever one gives you the better deal, go make it happen. And Carolina might be able to give him a better deal. I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to get to determine which spot, but he can say, hey, these three are, are fine. I'll waive my no-trade clause to go there. And then it's on Houston to get the deal done. And I think Carolina has a lot more capital than Cleveland does right now. But I didn't include them on here. Browns, Colts, or C Colts don't have any capital. So I don't think that's going to matter at all. But regardless, Baker Mayfield, topic number one on the Plank Show, topic one of the sports world. We'll re-effort Jocelyn Allo tomorrow. Josh, have a great vacation, man. Enjoy two days in Dallas. Thanks, buddy. We'll, we'll see, see you on Monday. tomorrow, and I'll see Josh on Monday. Stealing through to noon or next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.